What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, May 17th, 2019. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the busiest lady in the business, Andrea Renee. What's good, Greg? Your sleep schedule? Uh, I wouldn't call it good. I would say it's less than ideal. How did, what time did you get to bed last night after putting the What's Good Games podcast to bed? Um, it was probably close to two no, by the time no. I went to sleep. Can't do that. Don't like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Well, I needed to unwind after recording the show, editing the show, posting the show, doing all the work. I sure. needed to like shut my brain down. What'd you do? So I, I watched the first episode of Barry. Oh, of like season one? Yeah. So oh my gosh. I hadn't watched any of it and oh John's obsessed with it. Everyone's talking about how so amazing good. it is. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, let's get on this train. Mm-hmm. Let's do mm-hmm. it. So I watched the first episode. And? It was good. I mean, okay. Bill Hader is amazing. Of so. course, of course. The, the Fonz, Henry Winkler. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the whole cast is fantastic. Yeah. You got good stuff coming. You yeah. got a lot of good stuff And as coming. an L.A. person yeah. who was in the entertainment scene for a while. Did you ever do an acting class like that? Um, I didn't do... Well, yes, I did when I was in college. I yeah. was more of an improv person ah, okay. um, than acting, which is even w- way more goofy. Yeah, um, yeah. But I had a lot of trouble connecting with some of the things we saw in that episode with people doing monologues and feeling the emotion. And that's why I just like was like, acting's not for me. I'll do comedy sketch because it's, it's stupid and fun. But yeah. um, that's why I went to, you know focus on my reporting instead very interesting very interesting but enough about that because this is about video games today we're talking about minecraft ar riots arbitration and questions your questions about the playstation xbox cloud business because this is kind of funny games daily each and every weekday on a variety of platforms we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about if you like that be part of the show patreon.com slash kind of funny games you can give your questions comments concerns and everything else under the video game sun then tune in to watch just record it live on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games if you're watching live you have a special job go to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosterteeth.com and podcast services around the globe housekeeping for you believe it or not E3 is right around the corner. <laughs> the Kind of Funny Games E3 Showcase is June 10th at 4.30 Pacific Time. Uh, that's PM, of course. You can catch it at YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Currently, it's 62 or 3. I added one yesterday. Uh, games that will be part of the Kind of Funny Games Showcase. You're almost to 69, Greg. I know. We're so close. We'll see if we can get there in the end. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Tom Bach, Blackjack, and Mohammed Mohammed. Today, we're brought to you by Robin Hood and Brooklyn, but I'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Cool, Greg. I know you haven't done it in forever, bro, but come on. Sorry, man. Do, 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 do. Thank you. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Time for some news. Four items on the Roper Report. A baker's dozen. Thank you, cool, Greg. Uh, number one, there's a new Minecraft AR mobile game called Minecraft Earth. Uh, this one out of the blue, Andrew. Yeah. Of course, we, we remember Rumored, but years and years and years ago when they t- talked about HoloLens, right? They showed that Minecraft AR demo. And that mm-hmm. when I saw this headline, I was like, is that what this is going to be? No. no, it is not <laughs> that at all. It is very much a weird Pokemon Go take. But here's the official word from Microsoft themselves. What's happening? We can think of no better way to celebrate our 10-year anniversary than by finally being able to tell you about our top secret, but not anymore, augmented reality mobile game, Minecraft Earth, which will be free to play on both iOS and Android. This is Minecraft like you've never experienced before, bringing you the best of Minecraft, but IRL. 
here's here here's some of the awesomeness you'll be able to experience. Uh, go on adventures in Minecraft Earth. You'll be able to go out into the real world and find small clusters of blocks, chests, or mobs called tappables. As you walk, you will also find adventures, which are small slices of Minecraft worlds that you can play in life-size AR. Your sidewalk becomes a mine where you may. Where, you, where there may be diamonds under your feet. Or your local park may have Minecraft trees where skeletons lurk, ready for a skirmish. Players will collect resources, fight mobs, and gain experience points to progress in their career. Next bullet point. Correct, or I'm sorry, collect, explore, and survive. Correct. It's like, a, it's like, a, here's, find what's wrong in this sentence. Uh, <laughs> Minecraft Earth features many of the vanilla Minecraft mobs that our players know and love, along with new ones we can't wait to reveal later. Over time, players will get the chance to discover and collect unique variants and use them to populate builds, as well as gather resources and take on nearby challenges. Next bullet point. Experience your creations in front of you or all around you. Players can build their own permanent creations in Minecraft Earth through, Earth through build plates, the best implementation of the creative spirit of the vanilla game. Build in small, tabletop-sized environments where you can interact from above or place your build plates on the ground to see your creations outside in life-size scale. Collaborative multiplayer. <laughs> Optimized for social multiplayer experiences, anyone with an AR-capable smartphone and Minecraft Earth installed will be the first. Will be able to join your session quickly and have fun together. Fancy tech. Minecraft Earth blends state-of-the-art Minecraft Microsoft technology like Azure uh, Spatial Anchors, uh, tracking the PlayFab integration <laughs> to bring the game to life for a sophisticated AR gaming experience. Ten years in, Minecraft continues to grow. We've now passed 200 million registered users of the China edition of Minecraft. Uh, there have been nearly 130 million Minecraft Hour of Code sessions completed, and the base game has sold 176 million copies worldwide. And in case you missed our sweet video, we announced that Minecon is back uh, with the new, awesome new title of Minecon Live. Minecon Live will be streamed on Minecraft.net and other Minecraft-owned channels on September 28th for our community around the world. Interesting stats there, of course. Mm -hmm. Worth pointing out, the China edition of Minecraft is free. Um, so that's maybe one of the reasons for the 200 million. But again, 176 sold worldwide for the base game. Very impressive. But back to this, Minecraft Earth, Andrea Renee. What's your take? I think that this is a great way to tap into the kind of zeitgeist that Pokemon Go set off and do it with a brand that is arguably as popular as Pokemon. Mad Exposure writes into Patreon.com slash... Kind of funny games, and she says, Hello, Greg and Andrea. Welcome back. Microsoft announced Minecraft Earth today, and it seems like it could be poised to be even bigger than Pokemon Go. Do you think Minecraft Earth will take over this summer the way Pokemon Go did in 2016? Will you be playing? And if so, what's first on your list of places in SF? I should go try it out. Oh, well, I don't know because we were able to find spots in Pokemon because it was built off of Ingress, so I don't know what. Microsoft is using for like their geocaching. Sure. I well, what so did you watch the trailer? I did not. I watched the trailer that's out there, right? It was very I feel reminiscent of the Pokemon Go trailer where you watch it and you're like what exactly is happening? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, remember when Pokemon Go was like, this didn't look like the game, obviously, so what's going on? This one, it's a very sweet little thing of this uh, dad and his daughter have moved into this uh, new house and they're taking boxes off and his daughter basically takes the skateboard and he's like, all right, have fun. And she goes out and starts bringing up her phone to see what other people have created and sees the trees that are there and puts down some of her own stuff and is exploring her new city or new town, I guess, through the eyes of this Minecraft AR thing, which is cool. I don't, Here's what I think is interesting, and stick with me. Minecraft, undoubtedly popular. I'm not at all trying to take a shot at it that way. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Madeline here asks, 
is it going to be as big as Pokemon Go, right? Or it's it's poised that it could be even bigger than Pokemon Go, of course. Do you think Minecraft Earth will take over the summer the way Pokemon Go did in 2016? No. And I, I don't think it will because I think Pokemon already had its hooks into so many generations of people by the time it got there. Mm-hmm. Minecraft is huge. There's tons of uh, our audience. I mean, and I'm talking about our peers and other 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds that play Minecraft and love it that way. I just don't know if they've ever dreamed of doing this. Pokemon, I thought, I, and I'm speaking on both as a peripheral person to both these franchises. Pokemon seems like if you were Tim who grew up playing Pokemon, you dreamed of catching a Pokemon around San Francisco and doing something. So it was cool to see the AR, you know, Pikachu on the street, get him that way, and that's really cool. I When I played Minecraft and was really digging it with Brian for IGN Let's Plays and playing it at home and stuff, at no point was I like, I'd really like to make something in my house and then put it in the outside world and see what happens. And, and that wasn't what I was thinking of using it that way so i think it's already it's a very interesting take i think it's going to be a very successful take seeing as how every kid loves minecraft and not even kid every young person loves minecraft or grew up with minecraft and has a smartphone in their pocket that can play this i'm going to try it i don't see me sticking but i didn't stick with pokemon go either yeah i think it's an interesting point talking about the generational split between people who are passionate about pokemon versus passionate about minecraft yeah will there probably at some point be like a minecraft earth bar crawl situation yes but it likely will never rival what was happening when pokemon go was first released and that was like, the i thing. went to a bar crawl here in san francisco i covered it for gamer next door weekly and there was like five thousand people on this bar crawl yeah like they all we all descended and started at dolores park and it was just madness yeah. like how many people that were there. was the thing is like pokemon go i feel like really is one of those once in a lifetime things in terms of what we'll see in the industry because yeah that was it, it, I, we you know the old studios being such a sleepy part of san francisco in a sleepy neighborhood and like I remember walking with Christine to dinner. No, it was actually with Jen, right? Because it was 2016. Walking with dinner to dinner and seeing kids out there playing on the street. And like people I had never seen in my neighborhood before were in my neighborhood playing Pokemon Go. And it's like, what is going on? Yeah, like that how, gym life. And they were all running around. And this is before like most of the functionality was in there. Now you talk to Andrew Goldfarb, right? He's never stopped playing. Like it's insane the way that thing happened. And so will that happen with Minecraft? I doubt it. I don't think so. I think we need to see more about how the game is going to function out in the world. Because I know that speaking to Brittany, who was, you know, with West Good's resident Pokemon Co. expert, sure. um, some of the challenges that she faced and some of the reasons why people in her neighborhood didn't play as much is because there wasn't a lot of stuff to do where she lived in the country. Yeah. Like, there weren't, like, Pokestops yeah. nearby, there weren't gyms, and so she'd have to walk really far to get to places. I'm not sure how... Microsoft is handling the kind of disbursement of assets within the real world and yeah. what they're tied to. If they're just like randomly generated or if they're specifically tied to landmarks like, you know, Pokemon Go was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it has to be randomly generated, generated, right? Like go on adventures, right? You'll go out in the real world to find small clusters of blocks, chests, or mobs called tappables. As you walk, you'll also find adventures. You know, these are small slices of Minecraft. But your sidewalk becomes a mine. Like they're not going to sit there and pick a sidewalk to do that, right? It's not going to be the exact same way. Mm-hmm. You'd imagine that, yeah, they have to have some kind of functionality in their way uh, Pokemon Go did or to a way lesser extent. And I'm just using it as an example of how to do these kind of games. Um, Ghostbusters World did, right? In terms Mm -hmm. of like, there'll be landmark stuff, but I think you have to spawn stuff all over the place. Because this is different, right? It's like, you're not out there to catch the skeletons. You're out there to just build your shit, it sounds like, and put it out and see what other people should. That sounds like the coolest thing about it is... 
I built something in here, right? And I like it. I put it on the outside of Kind of Funny's office here, and then people who play outside see it there, I assume. At least that's what the trailer gave off the impression for and what they're talking about here. But then when they bring it in about talking about uh, playing with other people, it makes it sound like more like your yeah, collaborative multiplayer. Optimized for social multiplayer experiences, anyone with an AR-capable smartphone and Minecraft Earth installed will be able to join your session quickly. So, like, am I seeing other people's stuff out in the world? Is that how it works? Or is it just, one, you know? I have a lot of questions so far. Mm-hmm. And again, the trailer made it seem like. It's all over the place. The real question, though, what's that battery drain like? Mm, yeah, of course. Right? And that's the other, and that's a mm-hmm. great that's a really great question too because right to save power in Pokemon Go, most Everyone people turn play, the AR yeah, off. AR is yeah. turned off most of the time unless you're taking a funny little photo. So, can you do that with Minecraft? Doesn't seem like it. Seems like no. That's the exact opposite of what they want you to do. Yeah, that's going to be uh, the true test. I think. I think it's to super, see the sticking power. I think it's interesting. I think it'll be successful. In terms of downloads. Oh, of but course I, it will. Yeah. Be, there will be hundreds of millions of downloads for this game, mm-hmm. for sure. It's but just what's about, that player base going to stick around like? Right. It's just going to be like, what does the like long tail look like for something like this? You know, what does the community look like? What kinds of activities are going to be happening? I think that we'll probably end up seeing something like this at, you know, their convention for, for Minecraft. I don't know if they'll Minecraft do... Minecraft Live. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to do like a separate like Pokemon Fan Fest kind of a thing, but... Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. And the big question, will Andrew Goldfarb play it? Of course will, he will. But will he fall in love with it, right? Maybe not. No, probably not. You don't think he No. We'll see how to play it. Right. Yeah, no release date information on this, right? That I'm seeing anywhere? That we had no official release date on this? What's happening? Augmented reality? Yeah, nothing I see in here. Kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong if I've missed from this official Microsoft statement. Maybe we cut it off too early to see when it's coming out. But all it's eyes. In, it's in beta this summer. Okay, thank you very much. No release date beyond that, though? No, not that I've seen. Okay. Minecraft Earth, coming soon. What'll happen? Nobody knows. Cool Greg would love to play it, but he's only excited for that Harry Potter augmented reality game. That's right. That's what I like to hear. Number two, ladies and gentlemen. Riot isn't budging on arbitration. This is from Cecile. De- uh, st- ah, damn it. I spelled it out this time, too, because I don't want to screw up her name every time. I got mm-hmm. it the whole time. The Anastasio at Kotaku. Uh, despite a walkout of hundreds of its employees last week, League of Legends publisher Riot Games said last night that they will not change their stance on forced arbitration. Protesting employees had given the company until yesterday to make a change, threatening to escalate their efforts if it did not. Quote, We know not everyone agrees with this decision, but we also know everyone does want Riot to continue to improve, the company said in a blog post last night. Uh, if you've been following this story with us, Obviously, I'm going to continue. Uh, required reading for sure is the blog post. They go into a whole bunch of different stuff in here. Uh, uh, Cecilia very much focused on, obviously, the arbitration stuff because that's the news here. But they have a whole rollout plan. They have uh, projected g- dates. They're 30 days out, 60 days out, 90 days out, and all the things they're trying to do to improve uh, Riot and the climate. Back to Cecilia's article. The walkout was inspired by Riot's motion to force arbitration in the case of two current employees who filed a lawsuit alleging Riot violated California's Equal Pay Act following a Kotaku report on endemic sexism at the company. By the first day of work, yeah, by the first day of work, employees at Riot waive their right to get any lawsuit against the company in front of a jury. Recently, Google ended forced arbitration after 20,000 employees walked out. Facebook, eBay, and Airbnb followed suit. Prior to the walkout, Riot said that it would allow new employees to opt out of the arbitration agreement. They continued that they would consider extending that to current employees, quote, as soon as the current litigation is resolved, end quote. 
In a blog post last night, Riot announced that, quote, ultimately, given the complexities of ongoing litigation, we will not change our employee agreements while in active litigation, end quote. That was essentially a reiteration of the prior position, though they left the door open for change. Quote, we remain committed to having a firm answer around extending an opt-out to all riders when active litigation concludes, end quote. At the walkout, employees announced that if Riot didn't make a commitment to end forced arbitration by May 16, they would escalate the issue. Reach for comment, one, organize, one walkout organizer, Jocelyn Monahan, speaking on behalf of the group, said they will be taking further action. Quote, we're disappointed leadership doesn't seem to be considering any major changes to their active policy. That said, we're blown away by the passion, solidarity, and vulnerability that workers who support the walkout are showing, she said in a message to Kotaku. She continued, as we continue to pressure Riot to end forced arbitration, we are leveraging that teamwork and solidarity by involving more coworkers in the effort, end quote. Although Monaghan was vague about their efforts their efforts next steps uh, it appeared organizers will continue pushing riot to end forced arbitration and come to a decision on how next week it continues um we've talked about it a lot here obviously yes. i still think uh, i still think riot's gonna end up backing down on this especially i when i was talking about it before i was talking not knowing how many there were to be that this walkout was inspired to uh, two current employees who are filed lawsuits mm-hmm. i think yes i know it's complicated yes i we've talked about this at death i know too i think it's complicated i know it's hard i think that riot does want to do better i think that's evident by the blog posts and the initiatives they have on there the leadership teams they're talking about the uh, satisfaction feedback surveys they're talking about at the end of the 90 days of what they're getting out in front of i think depending on what these guys do next week right what the walkout crew what the protesting workers do Mm -hmm. next week what their answer to this is i think you continue to see riot eventually have to back down if they're committed to sticking this out yeah i think the solution here is to say we will end forced arbitration after the litigation with these two employees is complete because I have to imagine that them trying to do it in the middle of the litigation is just like a complete legal like clusterfuck. 100%. And which is why their legal team is probably like, oh, we just can't. Like we're like in the middle of this. We had these court documents, blah, 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 blah. Like we just can't change the position in the middle because yeah. it could, you know, put both the two people who are suing and the company at risk. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the solution is not just to say we'll consider it, it's to say we will do it as soon as this is this um, Well they've said that. This legalities are over. They've said that. Once I don't this think that done. they did. I think they said that we remain committed to having a firm answer around extending when active litigation concludes. So that's not an answer. They say we remain committed to having a firm answer, mm. not this is our firm answer to the, to the problem. This is our solution after uh, active litigation. Prior to the walkout, Riot said that it would allow new employees to opt out of the arbitration agreement. Right. They, I'm sorry, they, you are correct. They continue that it would consider extending that to current employees. I'm sorry, you're correct. I, was, I, was, I remember the uh, first part of the new employees. And it's, took it as- it's all super confusing. Well, you know, with our law degrees, Andrew, (laughs) I think it's pretty easy to keep up. Exactly. Well, it's unfortunate that, you know, that their walkout didn't seem to make enough of an impact. But I think Riot can do the right thing here. They just have to step a little carefully, you know, 
and make sure that they are doing right by their legal obligations as they currently stand. Sure. But also doing right by all of their employees who helped build that business into what it is today. Right. And the people who are trying to change it now. Right. right. There's been a lot of, I think, positive movement. Right? right. Again, hats off to Kotaku for everything they did here to actually change this and bring attention to it and make Riot have answers and make Riot start these things and make a better workplace for those workers at Riot. And now it is that question, though, of how far does that go and how far does that extend and yeah is it is the is it that the ship's so far out of the station now that there's no way to stop it for these two lawsuits there's no way to get it back to them and if so does how does that work for the people who are upset and protesting it right is it is is the answer simply that cool new employees can opt out current employees can opt out too if they want to right will that make everybody happy and as much as they can be because again, we talked about it on the show the legalities of this. I'm not 100 percent sure, obviously, in terms yeah. of like what actually can they stop what they're doing and restart it and do this and go that way. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a, a way to do it, but like I said, the two people that are currently in litigation with Riot would actually probably get the short end of the stick there because if they have to go back to the to square one essentially and build their case to bring it to trial in front of a jury that's a whole nother set of legal nightmares yeah different ball and I and like I wouldn't want those two people who've already gone through so much to have to bear that burden again knowing that they could potentially lose right and then having gone through multiple years of appeals and all that like the legal system in this country is like bonkers.net Walkers.net. Yeah, that's a John Drake special. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, nanobiologist writes in to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and says arbitration removal from an open case is nigh impossible. I have found the following instances it may be removed from open cases. If the case is moved out of state, if the case is moved to a federal level, or if all parties agree not to go into arbitration lawsuit when it's filed. So again, and I, nanobiologist, I also think not a lawyer, but complicated issue. We think well, it's clearly complicated. not all parties are in agreement here, right? Clearly. <laughs> We'll see what happens. We'll keep you posted. Eyes on next week to see what uh, the riot protesters are will do or will not do. Uh, number three, Andrea, it's your favorite topic. Let's talk oh, about some yes. E3 gossip. Woo. The floor plan is out. Brendan Sinclair at gamesindustry.biz has this right up. Activision's on-again, off-again relationship with the E3 show floor is off-again. As noted by Reset Era user Roasty, uh, the E3 exhibitor site has floor plans this year has floor plans for this year's show at the LA Convention Center uh, with all the largest booth spaces accounted for, and the Call of Duty company is not among them. An Activision representative confirmed, ap- representative confirmed uh, the company's plan, saying, quote, while we won't have a traditional space on the show floor, we look forward to participating at E3 across a number of activities. Instead of a booth, Activision will be talking uh, with partners in private meeting rooms upstairs at the LA Convention Center, much as it did in 2016. Activision also skipped E3 entirely in 20, uh, 2008, uh, that was a smaller than usual edition of E3 and the first one back at the LACC after a one-year sojourn to near Santa Monica. The E3 2019 floor plan also indicates a returning face to the LACC as Electronic Arts is officially participating in E3 once again. While it won't have a presence on the show floor either, much like Activision, it has booked a meeting room at the Los Angeles Convention Center. EA originally left E3 in 2016 in favor of holding an off-site EA Play event prior to the show proper. It will run EA Play again this year, but is skipping the media briefing it has traditionally held during E3 week. E3 2019 is set for June 11th through the 13th. Andrea. Yes, Greg. It's dead. It's over. E3's gone. This is such garbage. Period! I saw people tweeting about this. People that I care about and respect 
tweeting about this, and I wanted to like tell them all they're being stupid. <laughs> I was gonna think of something this more specifically. Creative. This specifically, I was gonna think of something more creative to say. That's the first word that came out. Like the idea that E three is dead, or this floor plan is a wasteland, or that this is a bad lineup. It's just like a bad take. Yeah. Because if you look at the floor plan, it's a lot of the usual suspects that are here every single year. Do you have it pulled up? I'm trying. I to get do. It. So because that image is too difficult to see. Yeah. So right, right, right. in the West Hall, and this the West Hall is really the most controversial one. So let's start with the South Hall. And then kind of like move beyond it. But uh, you, you want to start with South Hall? Yeah. Cool, so Greg, I'm going to send you two links. Can you get, do you have the technology to get them pulled up? Thanks so. All right, cool. That's what I like to hear, brother. I'm I sending mean, control right now. All right, I'm so. looking at this this set of booths. Here's South Hall. Cool, Greg. Let's let, let Cool Greg pull it up so that the sure. YouTube viewers get something in here. So I'm looking this over and I'm like, yeah, these are the people who are here every single year. We've got Epic Games. We knew was going to be there this year. 2K has usually had that spot in the front or at least next to it when EA was there. We got Square Enix there, Ubisoft, Warner Brothers Interactive, THQ Nordic, Capcom, Bethesda, Bandai Namco. These are all major publishers in the space. So like, I don't understand like what the problem is here. The, the smaller spaces around the fringes mm-hmm. have always been featuring smaller, smaller titles or yeah. smaller hardware makers anyway. So, I mean, the South Hall is looking like it always looks. So okay. that's fine. The West Hall is the one cool, where... You want to pull up the next link I gave you? It's, a, it's another image. Is the one where people are kind of like, whoa, look what happened. Because obviously PlayStation, no PlayStation is leaving yeah. a giant gaping hole yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where they used to be. And so now you've got things like the Unreal mm. Garden, which I think sounds kind of cool. Obviously that, something to do with Unreal Engine, that, I would imagine. I just said it th- correctly. Cool, Greg. I don't know why it came up wrong that last time. Here's right. the, the next link. Is it? Sorry, um, hold on. Sure. Let's get it up here so that, that people okay. can see what we're talking about. There we go. All right, cool. So here's yes. what you're talking about, right? Where, yeah. So Nintendo, normal. Sega, yes. normal. Uh, Xseed there, interesting, because Xseed, and what's this, Luminous? This one? <laughs> I don't got the eyes anymore. Lenovo, Lenovo. Le- uh, yeah, you know who Lenovo is. I know, the lo- I know the name. What do they do? What tech they are they? They make hardware. Great for them. Is um, it PC garbage? I don't know what's happening. So but you the- notice what is interesting right there is neither of those are IGN. That's usually IGN's booth. Right. And I think the more important thing is not only is PlayStation missing here, mm-hmm. Xbox is also missing from the floor because they've said they're going to do their own dedicated space yeah. at the Microsoft Theater and the pavilion around yep. the Microsoft Theater, which makes sense. It's the Microsoft Theater and it's right next door to the convention center. So yeah, um, that, I mean, that's what gets weird is when there's no mic- there's no Microsoft and no PlayStation as you look right. at this. And yeah, that is, the, so then it's the E3, E3 eSports zone, which is huge. E3 networking lounge, my arcade, GameSpot, sure, Big Ben, like college gaming or college game competition, gaming lifestyle pavilion, like it's just like those what, what is that question those, mark? exactly those not being the giant brand names we're used to looking at when we look at uh this hall that's what i think is really like making people go ah, i West think this is an amazing opportunity though to engage the thousands of gamer badges that they're yeah. selling yeah. right yeah. we there, there's been complaints since they've gone public that there just isn't the, the wait times are too long there's not enough to do for the price of the pass and so they want to make more opportunities for people who are coming in who aren't just there to see games or take appointments to have some interactive things that they can go and participate in to really feel like they're getting value for the price of the pass because it's not a cheap ticket. And I love that there's 
a, a charity table that stack up and take this and the IGDA can have a presence on the show floor because normally they would never be able to afford to do that at a show like E3. Yeah. And what an amazing opportunity for them to get the message out about what those organizations do at one of the biggest shows of the year. And Indicate, who's been a staple in this business for a long time, has never had this much space on the floor of E3 either. And I think that's also a great thing because indies have been such a ever-growing part of the video games publishing business for the last decade. Like, why shouldn't they have a space on the floor instead of, like, in the lobby, right? I don't know. I the People being, like, Debbie Downers about this, I'm just like, what are you talking about? I it think, looks great. Here's the thing, is that I think that they're... It's the uncertain future of E3, yeah. which is a true through line through all this. Correct. And I think then what happens, as with anything on the internet, is people want to dogpile on, right? And then it starts to get to be what is the truth or what is what is a real issue versus what's a non-issue. Mm-hmm. For me, looking at the image here, right, of PlayStation and Xbox and all them being gone, it isn't that I look at it and see the E3 eSports zone and go, oh my God, disaster, right? But it is that I look at it and go... This is alarming in the way it seems that, sure, you're talking about Xbox and their theater, obviously. Uh, EA Play, right? Whatever Activision is going to do for press people and for people to see their games. It's the idea now that the rest of the industry and the big names in the industry are waking up to the fact that we don't need to pay the ESA all this money to get this overpriced booth space when we can do to the Microsoft Theater, when we can do an Activision or activation across the street, where we can go do a bunch of hotel room stuff and or, or pre-E3 events or whatever. What that gets into is then the sustainability of E3 as we know it. And if you said the you know the indies and the uh, charities can't would never you know in the old days of E3 be able to afford those spots right what are they paying now for those spots are they paying anything for those spots what at what point does it become into profit and loss margin not feasible for ESA to make this to pull off this show and make it work the way they want it to and make it be as big as it always is and then when that happens what's to say that cool EA play doesn't need to be around this one weekend in the summer it can be wherever it wants to be and then it's that continued smattering off into the state of play situations in Nintendo directs where it's like well fuck this why are we paying all this money we can just own the moment now you know it's we're not an industry anymore where you need to send all the magazine journalists here for one weekend to get all this information so that in two months you get the magazine in your hands now the information travels at the speed of light right at the speed of a tweet speed of a live live stream and I think people can own those moments and get out there so it's not that I look at this and go, man, you know, real quick, Blackjack wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny games, right? And he says, uh, yesterday Activision confirmed that they won't be on the show floor. I want to ask the same tired question about E3 dying. Greg, I want you to violate every embargo you can and tell me about all the cool games you saw during Judges Week. I need someone to get a little, I need someone to get a little bit of hype going for E3 2019 and the rest of the year because right now it's looking a little soft. Like, I mean, speaking of Judges Week, what an impressive week. I've been going to Judges Week for about about eight years now, and I've never walked away going, I had amazing games that I played every single day. Sure. Because sometimes you just get games that either don't resonate with you as a player, maybe it's like a genre that you're not comfortable with, or maybe it's a publisher you don't really know a lot about, or maybe the game just isn't great because it's too early of a build. I felt like we came away from this week with so many fantastic games that we just can't talk about for a couple of weeks yet. A few of them we can. We Ga- can, Games yes. cast this afternoon, patreon.com slash games. We and will get into that. On what's good, I, uh, Steimer and I talked about the stuff that we Hell can play, yeah. that Hell we yeah. played too. So it's, um, 
I, I'm with you. If the conversation was about the future of the ESA and the ESA is an organization overall, I think there's absolutely something there that we need to dig into. Yeah. Um, I think that there's been some shifts in the way that that organization's been has been run like that aren't for the better yeah. that are a turn for the worse and that is concerning and I think that that's obviously a much deeper longer conversation that we would have to have at some point um but when it comes to just the floor plan, it's kind of like, well, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I mean, and that's the thing, too, is I feel it's weird not having PlayStation there. It's weird not having Xbox on the floor, but it's Agreed. not unheard of or anything. It's just, I mean, it's all of us dinosaurs who've done this for so long looking at this and being like, oh, my God, I can't believe it looks like this. Mm-hmm. Like, it just looks so different than that. But again, when I look at my Google calendar and the appointments I'm already having to turn down because I'm too jam-packed with other appointments I really, really care about, like, E3 is fine. This E3 is going to be fine. Like, Blackjack, you should not need hype to get hype for E3. E3, yes, PlayStation's not there. Okay, that sucks, kind of. Microsoft has to come out and prove why you need to trust them for next generation. Square Enix is taking the PlayStation spot. You some finally fucking showing Avengers, right? What the fuck does that game look like? Uh, Final Fantasy VII's there if you're a dork like Tim. Uh, Nintendo, Animal Crossing. Like, you look at this even there, it's exciting. You look back at the other one, right, with the, you know, the normal traditional South Hall of like, yep, there's a whole bunch of publishers there that I've booked appointments for for games that I can't talk about that I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, that seems awesome. Like, E3 is going to be awesome. But it is that question of I look, I worry about how long will it, it be in E3 that we recognize, and then does the name E3 go away, and does it what I, I don't know what I can't I'm I'm just interested to know what the next few years look like for this the show. I mean I don't know, but E3 has taken many faces since I've been covering it, and each one is different. Some are better than the others. You know, some have their pros and cons. Of course. You know, I, I remember the Kenshi Hall days. It's just like <laughs> the thing is, we like, don't remember Santa Monica. Yeah, I know. You know, E3 needs to adapt and change and so sometimes that means that they try different things and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't and that's just my biggest thing right now I feel is the conversations I had with the other judges here and there about E3 and how weird it is this year I feel that with companies leaving and doing their own thing and leaving at E3 E3 gets and I'm talking about the, the convention hall itself gets left in this weird lurch right where it's like Okay, cool. It's not what the press was expecting it to be anymore. And then also it's not it's not a perfect consumer show yet. Like, I, you know what I mean? PAX outclasses it as a consumer show any day of the week. Of course. But uh, again, it's the excitement of uh, how many times, every time we run into a, a, somebody with the uh, fan badge at E3, right? They're always like, I've always wanted to come to an E3. I can't believe I'm at an E3. It's the name that carries so much weight with it. But you get there and, you know, as they started doing this, like, the lines are out the door and it's like the police have to get involved. Like you can't have the line out to the street like this. And like there's all these little things they're learning as they go. But is this enough now to fill in for those people? Is that what E3 has become? If it is that, what does it mean for people who cover E3? Like I, it's like it's bonkers to me that like cool for year three now, right? The third year in a row, we're, we're going down on a Tuesday because why not just live react here? Why waste our time going down there? And then this year, it's just me and Tim going. It's not, we usually bring everybody and have everybody do everything. And it was just like looking at our past history and what works for us and what people want from us coverage wise. It was like, oh, like that's really not the way we have to, we always want to play smart with the money we get from Patreon, right? And the support everybody gives us. So it's like, well, no, sending all of us down there to the sex dungeon Airbnb, not, not the best move. You know what I mean? Like we can be better about this in terms of content. It's a weird E3. It's a, it's growing pains. It's all these different things as the show changes. And I think everybody's coverage changes as well. I don't know. I'm hype. 
I'm, I'm super hype. I love I'm E3. I'm really excited. No, I've always been the been guy who loves some, E3. Been booking some fun appointments. Right. It's yeah. going to be a good week. It's going to be very good. Um, nanobiologist points out in kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Lenovo makes laptops and PC hardware, including mice, keyboards, and headsets. Correct. No wonder I don't know these dorks. Ooh. Let's help NASA get a rocket to the moon. You know Greg, what I mean, cool you Greg? You should know who Lenovo Eggheads. is. Eggheads, cool Greg. I, like I said, I recognize the name. I couldn't put. I I could be on a you know an oil filter for all I know. I don't fucking know. Number four on the Roper Report. Neo Geo Mini has been announced. SNK Corporation has announced that three special Samurai Show Showdown uh, editions of Neo Geo Mini will be released in North America and Europe to celebrate the launch of the new PlayStation Four, Xbox One Samurai Showdown title. The Neo Geo Mini Samurai Showdown Limited Edition will be available in limited quantities from July 2019, and pre-orders will begin from May 24th at select retail stores. The retail price is $139. The Neo Geo Mini Samurai Showdown Limited Edition will have three translucent variations, white, red, and blue. Each color is limited to 20,000 units, and each unit will feature or yeah, will feature with two controllers, one collectible character card, one HDMI cable, one USB power cable, one anti-slip cushion, and character stickers. Limited edition version features uh, 40 titles, including all six Samurai Showdown titles released on the Neo Geo platform. And it's days like today where you go, man, wish Jared, wish Jared Petty hasn't, hadn't quit, because <laughs> I remember, I think what? No, I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm not even thinking of that. No, I'm thinking of, uh, uh, what was bonk on? The kind of funny.com slash you're wrong. Not the, the uh, bonk. Yeah. Ah, uh, the Jaguar. 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 He, and that's the one I'm thinking of. I knew nobody who had a fucking Neo Geo. So I can't help you with that. But I, hey, more power to you if you love the Neo Geo. Go get them. Enjoy yourself, ladies and gentlemen. The Turbo Graphics 16 console, known in Japan as the PC Genji. Okay, cool. Thank and you. And as the BC Kid in PAL territories. Yeah, Mike Boylan's older brother had a Turbo Graphics then, and we mm-hmm. were like, "What is this thing?" And nobody cared because we all had Sega Master Systems. Actually, that was just me, but people were happy with their Sega stuff. <laughs> me, me, everybody else liked Nintendo. Dorks. Andrea, yes, Greg. I'm excited for Jared Petty to smash through the wall when he sees this episode and tell me why <laughs> Neo Geo is so great. But that's so far away. If I need something more immediate, like say what came to the mom and grab shops, where would it go? Greg, you would go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Yeah. Out today. Darkwood on Xbox One, Arcane on Switch, Dragon's Lair Trilogy, Xbox One, Steven Universe, Save the Light, and OK KO, Let's Play Heroes Combo on Switch. There's a butcher around, PC. Gravitura, Gravi, Graviatura <laughs> on PC and Mac, Old War, PC, Dark Fantasy 2, Jigsaw Puzzle, PC and Mac, Magician of Fire on PC. Then, new dates for you. Deep Silver and 4A Games Today revealed the details of the downloadable content that will make up the Metro Exodus Expansion Pass. There will be two major pieces of story-driven DLC for the game following brand new stories from the world of Metro. Instead of Artom, players will see through the eyes of a brand new character and of one of the Spartan Rangers, the Aurora's only American Sam. Both of these will be available as part of the Expansion Pass and will also be available for purchase separately. Uh, You get the first one summer 2019, uh, next one, early 2020. If you want to know more about them, they are spoilers for Metro Exodus. So read at your own risk. Uh, Wizardry Labyrinth of the Lost Soul is coming to PC on May 29th. Warframes the Giovanni and Concord comes to PC next week. And then Dirt Rally 2.0 Season 2 contents are starting to debut beginning on June 4th. Deal of the day for you. Ignacio Rojas wrote in 
to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says deal today energy cycle is 50% off for PlayStation Plus members down to $1.49 $1.79 for non-plus members in case you don't know what this game is go watch the latest episode of Gamescast and listen to Greg talk about easy platinums that's right energy cycle and easy platinum and a steal at less than $2 Andrea can I interest you in energy cycle no what if I just did it for you get Uh, you a platinum huh I don't I have all my trophies hidden oh coward yeah, you know why? Because people were harassing me about them, sure, so no. I hit oh. them. People I was on, like, uh, people hey, on the internet, alone, dick face. <laughs> people on the internet be fucking rude. Who would have thought? Uh, well, you see, I understand hiding them from the masses, but I want to look at them. You know what I mean? Just let friends see them. Just friends, go and do that for me. Just let me see them, Andrea. I'll contemplate that. Thank you. What are you hiding? What are you hiding in there? I go in there. You've <laughs> the never. Fact that I don't care about trophies. You've never played division. You don't even have division two I trophies. I say How I don't care about trophies. Cool guy. I need you to edit everything you just said out. Right? <laughs> it's time for reader mail. But first, I'm going to tell you about our sponsors, Robinhood and Brook Linen. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission free. While other brokerages charge up to ten dollars for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Kind of Funny Games Daily a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at games.robinhood.com. That is games.robinhood.com. Next, it's Brooklyn. You spend a third of your life in the sheets. It's about time for a betting upgrade, and that's where Brooklyn comes in. You already know that I love them. First off, I wrote this ad for everybody, the ad copy. So everybody's been telling you all week that I love my sheets. You understand that, but you've heard me talk about it. You know that when I take a photo of Portillo in the bed, he's in the Brooklyn sheets. You understand that I impressed Jen because I was able to mix and match the colors. See it online. Understand what looked good. <laughs> Buy the right sheets. It was great. Brooklyn's mission is simple. Make a fi- make five-star hotel quality sheets more affordable and easy to order. Luxury sheets without the luxury markup. Most betting is marked up as much as 300%. Brooklinen was the first DTC betting company, meaning they work directly with manufacturers and directly with consumers. No middleman, just a great product and service. Uh, Brooklinen Sheets were named the best of the, uh, online betting for good housekeeping. They have raving reviews from Bid- Business Insider, Apartment Therapy, Men's Health, and Greg Miller. Uh, Brooklinen is the fastest growing betting brand with over 35,000 five-star reviews. Sheets don't just feel great, but they look great too. Right now, brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer to my listeners. Get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use the promo code GAMES at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product and their sheets, comforters, and towels that they come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get 10% off your first order and free shipping is to use promo code GAMES at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code GAMES. Brooklyn these best sheets ever. <sighs> CP writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, hi, Greg and Andrea. Hope you had a good E3 judges week. Can we have a bit more of how the sausage gets made for E3 judges week? Do you have to book your own appointments? Do you get unlimited time with games on display? How many people are there? You must be embargoed up the wazoo. Does it not deflate the hype of the press conferences? Thanks for reading. Andrea, looking forward to seeing you in London in a wee while. And Greg, you suck. Hashtag KFA for streamies. God damn it. Yeah, what's good? Meet and greet. Cool. 
kind of funny meet and greet in London. November, right? October. Yeah, or eventually. Ours is next weekend, y'all. Yay, that's May 26th. Right. What time? It's be great. It's from 3 to 6 p.m. or for, what is that? Um, 13, no, 1500 to 1800 military time, like people like to do in Europe. Sure, sure. Um, and it's at the, the Marquis of Westminster. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's a fun pub. That'll be fun. We rented the private bar room down, downstairs. Look it's at you. Great. How many pounds did it cost you, huh? Huh? Uh, not that many, actually. Euros. Uh, pound sterling is Loonies? the correct uh, terminology there. Andrew, we just went to Judge's Week. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, Judge's Week, of course, is an event put on and organized by one Jeff Keeley. It is. Uh, he gets together the E3 judges, which give out the overall best of E3 award, right? And also judge game award stuff later on in the year. Uh, so obviously all the sites have different game, game of the year awards or uh, E3 game of the show awards and, you know, best art, action RPG. Then there's one unified board, a Justice League, if you will, <laughs> of representatives from, the different, from a number of different sites, not all of them that then get put together to vote on stuff like that and so what jeff does is talks to the publishers talk to people who are developers who want to show games and for a week uh down in la gets everybody together ahead of time because of course there's no time at e3 to see all the games this is a good way to get ahead of the the rush see the stuff actually have your meaningful time with games so for the first thing i actually want to jump to you know do you have to book your own appointments right no no the way Judges Week works is that we're giving you you agree if you want to come to Judges Week if you can make a Judge Judges Week if you can send a uh, Judges Week representative and then what's happened is you're given an itinerary basically of like cool Monday here are the three or four uh, publishers we're seeing here's where they are here are the blocks of time uh, your next question was do you get unlimited time with the games on display all depends. I mean, it's. I mean, you basically like from ten to twelve. You're seeing publisher X, depending on how many games they have, the number of stations they have, the number of judges they have. That's where it could be. So if they are showing, I've had them in the past where it's like we're showing one big game. You guys can play as much as you want till it's all over, right? Mm-hmm. We did that with one big game this uh, uh, week, uh, week, right? But it was that, all right, there's not enough stations, so we have to cut you guys off at some point and bring in the next wave or whatever. So I think it was right. like 45 minutes or something to that effect. Uh, you jump, so it's rare that it's just unlimited, no, but it's more about you're running a schedule, making sure everybody touches it. Some people want to do interviews. Uh, if the demo's timed, which obviously a lot of these are the demos that will be at E3, you can play them again if you have more time. If you want to, you can try to do something different with them that way. Um, and then does, if we were embargoed up to Wazoo, right? Like, does that deflate the hype of press conferences absolutely no. not because things that you're going to see at the press conference rarely make it into judges week most of the time when we're seeing titles at, at judges week it's titles that are either already announced but we haven't gotten hands-on time with them yet or it's a title that we knew was coming and so it's not really a surprise yeah. um or if it's a if it's a new title it's usually either like a double a or an indie it's I can't recall a Judges Week where we got a AAA reveal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, the way I always talk about it is, and I don't mean this is a slight to anybody, I think this is honestly why Judges Week works so well. Judges Week is usually the double-A or indie games that would get lost in the shuffle of Uni 3, that would get overshadowed by this giant mm-hmm. announcement. You, it, you, The AAA thing is an interesting point, because if you remember last year for Judges Week, we went down there and PlayStation did do something. Mm-hmm. But it was, hey, here's Astrobot and Creed, and here's you can have a lengthy section with Days Gone here. They're doing dreams the same Dreams there. demo mm-hmm. over here. And it was like, 
it wasn't their unannounced stuff. It wasn't like the stuff you'd get behind closed doors. We didn't see any of the four pillar titles that they focused on in their sure. press conference last yeah, Ghost year. Ghost of Tsushima wasn't there, right. right? Yeah, exactly. So that was the easiest way, I think, to explain it. Whereas it's a great look, way to get in and be like, hey, here's a game that we're really passionate about that's usually really good that we want you to see, but we know in the run-up and your limited bandwidth at E3, it could easily get overshadowed. And also a great chance for us to play games you know I would normally wouldn't play. They're demos. I, a lot of times there's I'm demoing games that I would see on a list and be like, sorry, I'm not an expert at or that's not my kind of genre, so I wouldn't play it. Whereas this Agreed. one gives yeah. me a chance to play and be like, oh, I get what you're going for here. I can understand it. Yeah, I spent about an hour with a game like that this year. That if you ask if the, if this publisher had reached out to me and asked me to make, book an appointment, I would have been like, I just. I don't play that style of game, so no. no, I don't have time. But because it was part of the set aside block, and I had played, you know, one of the other games already, and then this other game I, you know, had time with, I was like, why not? Yeah. And I ended up like spending way more time with it than I anticipated. Hmm, so nice. I want to hear about that afterwards. Yeah, well, I will tell you later. Uh, and then CP was final was how many people are there? How many judges were there this time around? There, so the independent group of 50 global media and gotcha. influencer outlets. Um, the exact number of judges that make it to Judges Week specifically, though, um, varies on the day, on the publisher. Some outlets will bring one or two people. So the way that it works is um, one judge is selected from each outlet to come to Judges Week. And then if you want to bring a second one, you have to get publisher permission and then you have to foot the cost uh, but from the outlet because uh, travel expenses are covered in a blind pool. So the publishers who are participating in Judges Week um, essentially like draw a name out of a hat yeah, yeah. for whose travel that they're going to be covering to make sure that it stays impartial. So it's not like, you know, one publisher is going to be sending, you know, the person who loves that publisher sure. uh, to maybe get favorable voting. It's, it's hilarious because you know, it's meant to be like, so like, oh, like for the internet, like, oh, so PlayStation doesn't pay for Greg Miller or something, right? Right. But last year, totally PlayStation paid for it. <laughs> we did the blind thing and I just ended up talking to the same people. I was like, hey, what's up? Uh, <laughs> worth pointing out too, though, for the blind travel pool and all that stuff mm-hmm. is that that's an opt-in thing. Right. When Jeff sends out the email, I was like, are you comfortable with, you know, is your publication comfortable with Some this? outlets do, do yeah. not accept travel assistance as part of their ethics policy. Kind of funny, sure does. We can't we afford can't, to go there. And we, <laughs> we can't be fucking help. bought. If I play your game and think it's shit, I will say it. You know what I mean, Cool Greg? Yeah. That's right. That's what I like to see, Cool Greg. Uh, David Scott writes into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames and says, what's good, Greg and Andrea? With the announcement that Microsoft and PlayStation are partnering for back-end development, do you guys think that this is due to the threat of Stadia? Or do you think this is possibly a hint that PlayStation is trying to double down on the streaming service. Thanks, as always. David Scott. Of course, yesterday this broke. Uh, Fran and Tim covered it live as it happened. Did a good job of this. But yeah, how Xbox or how Microsoft is partnering with Sony for back-end streaming, gaming, technology, blah, blah, blah. whole bunch of mumbo-jumbo out there. What was your take on it? Um, I think it makes sense that Sony would partner with Microsoft. They've got the infrastructure and the global servers around the world. Why would they not take money from Sony for Sony to use that computing power. I yeah. when we talked about this on What's Good today. I likened it to I'm pretend, sorry, what was that? Oh, What's Good Games, a video game podcast oh, available on podcast services around the world or youtube.com slash what's good games. Um I likened it to what Amazon is doing with Amazon Web Services. Yeah. And the idea that they have this, you know, cloud farm essentially. And if they can help offset the cost of both maintaining that and expanding it and improving it over time, why wouldn't they partner with somebody who is you know, positioned to, to take advantage of it in a very unique and uh, on point way. Yeah. Right. And I also thought that in a pipe dream scenario, because I don't actually think this is going to happen, but 
wouldn't it be cool if Xbox and PlayStation actually teamed up in next gen to take on Stadia because between Sony and Xbox's platform or library of games in their IPs and their software, I mean, they would crush Stadia. Sure. It's the whole thing. But that won't happen. But it could, no. would be really cool. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Wouldn't it be amazing if, like, yeah, they were just like, <laughs> it, like, for some reason, they were just like, you know what? Somehow we're doing this deal and Xbox Game Pass will now include everything from fucking uh, PlayStation Now and all. It'd, it'd, yeah. be, it'd be ridiculous. I don't think that's happening either. No. <laughs> uh, I, 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 what it honestly gets me excited, even more excited about is uh, Xbox streaming service or Microsoft streaming, right? Or xCloud, whatever. Because. The, you know when they came out, they were in that intro, that video they put out, beating their the, beating the drum about these Azure or Azure server, whatever the f- Fran called them something Azure? weird yesterday. Azure, I don't fucking I don't know. know. Uh, but anyways, I'm gonna keep saying Azure. I'm Greg. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Azure. Uh, but like when they came out and started talking about those, they were making them out like, hey, these are the best lowest latency ways to do this in the world, and we have them, and everybody knows that Microsoft Azure is amazing. And I was like, I've never heard of it. And then you know what? Seven, eight months later, PlayStation's like, yeah, we're going to use it. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, fuck, they must be really good, yeah. which gets me excited for, yeah, what's going to happen with Xbox, let alone what PlayStation 5 and how they'll stream games and what they'll make it all happen with. Well, Sony clearly needs help because even though they have owned Gaikai for a while now and using their, that technology to power PlayStation now, it's not as optimal of a service as I think most gamers who use it would like it to be specifically for the streaming section. I'm not That's talking they, about their library. Yeah. I'm not talking about the download capabilities. I'm talking about people who stream games through PlayStation now and the service they get. And if what Microsoft is offering is a substantial increase in power to what Gaikai developed, then why wouldn't Sony just license that tech? Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Microsoft will take their money all And that's day. the whole thing is it's just such a business thing. And this, mm-hmm. is, the, this is always the interesting uh, wrinkle of it being Microsoft with Xbox underneath it, right? It's not like they're calling Phil Spencer and, hey, can we piggyback on your servers or something? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't know. Well, like, this is such a top level. That's why it was, you know, the Sony and uh, Microsoft people talking and shaking hands and putting out that photo. That right. was everywhere. Everyone's thumbnail yesterday. I mean, it's also important to remember that both Sony and Microsoft are gigantic, multi-billion dollar global corporations. Corporations that of which gaming is just one piece of their overall business, right? Uh, for for Sony, it's a much bigger part of their business than it is for Microsoft. But both of those companies have billions of dollars of investment in several other, you know, technologies and entertainment spaces. Yeah, it's just another yeah back end technology thing. In the same way, you know, when Sony Music started making video games, and everybody's like, "What? What are you doing?" <laughs> uh, Nanobiologist writes in and says, "Happy Friday, and welcome back." I hope you're all you all had fun during Judges Week. Hey, thanks. We did. Uh, do the general gaming audience have a misconception when it comes to this Microsoft slash Sony Azure service partnership? On Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit, people are calling it the end of Xbox slash Sony. One's buying out the other, or we will soon see the console games on another console. But can this just be a simple partnership? People seem to forget that Xbox uses Sony's Blu-ray drives, and that Microsoft making deals doesn't always mean Xbox is making those deals. And the same for PlayStation and Sony. What do you think will come out of this partnership? Will it just be a simple pay us and we'll host your game streaming services? Thanks, Nanobiologist. I feel like I just answered that, Greg. You did, but I wanted it in there just to be very much on the nose about it. Where okay. I did see a lot of people being like, the end of the console wars. Well, I'm like, they're using they're using tech. They're paying for tech. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even, even I was having conversations with people just like, do you think this means that it, it cross play is closer and it'll be everywhere. I'm like, no, like that's not, I don't, that's not what this was. I don't, I do think cross play is closer. It's, clo- it's, cl- I think we're closer day by day, but I don't know if this pushes it. 
Do you think this partnership oh, this of deal? like yeah, that was the argument I was having. No, because it, it, crossplay will continue to be solely in the hands of the developers, and if they want to implement crossplay, that's not a platform thing. Obviously, the platform has to say yes, mm-hmm. right? And I think we crossed that hurdle already with PlayStation sure. starting with Fortnite crossplay. We're Under seeing more and more games talking about crossplay. Yeah, I did a Dauntless preview and what's good this week, oh, yeah. and they've announced that they're working on crossplay. So it's it's just like. Crossplay is going to happen. Sure. I um, feel like the dam's cracked and the water's seeping right. through. But at this point, like that's not a platform thing. It's a up to the individual studio if that's what they want as part of their game. Yeah. And that was the thing about this where I was... I, 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 I guess it doesn't hurt crossplay in any way, but I don't think that's what this is aimed at. This is very much aimed at, hey, the streaming service, hey, this, that. I guess using technology from one of the other lets you learn a little bit about how the infrastructures work, so it could be applied to that. But even then, my other argument at the time was like, but it was like, I remember when Fortnite did it accidentally. Like, I don't think it, you need to understand, you don't need PlayStation and Xbox understanding each other because the games already do that and the developers already understand the networks they're working on and can make all this shit happen. But again, I'm a moron. I don't know. I just think this is I more for I think that you oversimplified it a little bit. I think I do oversimplify it. But remember, my, they, Fortnite did it by accident. They didn't mean to do it. But Fortnite's a unique situation. We're talking about Epic Games, who has more intimate knowledge of the way that the sure. hardware systems work than by far and away many people because they build one of the most popular engines sure. on both of those platforms. Sure, well, sure, sure. technically on all three platforms besides, well, no, on all four. Every platform, all platforms. Unreal Engine's everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's everywhere. Everywhere. We'll see. Obviously, crossplay will happen for every day, everywhere. But when will it happen? Who knows? Nobody knows. If you're talking to Gary Witte, he wants it right now, and he will not shut up about it until it happens. I mean, I think we all want it. <laughs> Do you not want crossplay? Of course I want it. I mean, I want cross-progression. I want it all. Yes. I want I want the xCloud thing to work, and I want it to stream to an iPhone, and I want to just pack that instead of carrying my game screen and my PlayStation 4 for the f- 20 minutes of Division I played down in uh, L.A. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, Greg. Time to squad up. This is where one of you writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games. You give me your name, username, platform of choice, why you need help in a video game. I read it here. The best friends come and find you and everybody has fun playing in the hour. Today, I'm not giving you just one. I'm saying go to Reddit dot com slash r slash kind of funny that's the kind of funny subreddit over there there are a bajillion i need people to raid with in division two on pc xbox playstation 4 my clan's dead i need more people in this clan blah 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 the division two raid is out fran and i are playing it tonight with a whole bunch of kind of funny games clan members you can watch (laughs) 6 p.m on twitch.tv slash fm3 underscore we'll be there taking it on andrea is the what's good clan taking it on oh yeah the agents of wgg are rolling out tonight as well so if you get tired of looking at fran in his inventory all night Ooh, i don't know guys. And you want to come over to twitch.tv slash what's good games i will also be streaming can't guarantee it's going to be as exciting from what i've heard no one's cleared on console yet really yeah so the world's first happened on pc and from everything I saw, even up to like an hour before we went live this morning, there still has not been a console clear from a team. I'll race you. Um, yeah, world's first. Game over, Greggy. Not that I'm laughing because that's such a ridiculous idea. <laughs> this is a game I'm I actually you, good Greg. at, Andrea. Yes. No, you're great. Did you did you properly get your gear sets ready? Because from everything I've been reading, like it's brutal if you don't have everything optimized. I'm, I don't need it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know yeah. what? I wish you guys the best of luck. I wish you do. Right, what's your gear set? What do you run? 
Um, well, there's a couple different makers of gear stats. So I've been focusing on trying to get multi-set bonuses, particularly for bonus damages to elites. Yeah. And looking for mods that can increase um, specific damages for that stuff as well. Gotcha. Um, because, I mean, when it comes to raids, no matter which game you're playing, DPS is always a factor. Yeah. And so if you're just sinking bullets into enemies and you're not doing any damage, you're going to have a real crappy time in the raid. I'm excited. I can't wait. <laughs> I hope we can play for five hours and get nowhere. Uh, remember, yeah, for a 6 p.m. Pacific time, we'll host on Kind of Funny Games as well. Um, let's check in for You're Wrong. We ask people watching live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames to go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screwed up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe. Nanobiologist says Azur is pronounced as as her er. Like that, that's not, that's not phonetic. A-Z-H, all caps. What is that? What? As, Azure. As, uh, Azure. They should change the name of it so it's easier. That's what I say. Azure. Ugh, whatever. Um, they should change the name. Agreed. That's what I was saying. All right. That Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, lovely. A lot of editorializing. You know, more arguing or whatever. Same sure. thing about Rocket League, so they could flip a switch and make crossplay work, which would play to my argument, but I'm not saying I'm making an argument. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Uh, thank you so much for watching. Thanks for watching this whole week. Let's talk about who's hosting next week. First off, Monday, it's going to be me and Tim. However, it's going to be an early show. Instead of doing it at 10 a.m., we're doing it at 9 a.m. That's because Tim and I are catching a plane to Florida to go be part of uh, Hall of Fame week at Full Sail. Uh, so, me and Tim early on Monday, Tuesday, Fran and Andrea, Wednesday, Andrea and Witta, Thursday, Fran and Andrea, Friday, Fran and Snowbike Mike. Snowbike Mike returns. That is a stellar lineup for people while Tim and I hold on Florida for you. Uh, details on the Florida meet and greet. They're, obviously, we're going to be talking about the Hall of Fame one that's just for full sale students. In general, we're doing a kind of funny open to the public one. We're still finalizing those details. I haven't been in the office all week. I'll get you that. We'll get it out there. But remember, Orlando, we're coming for you. Also, I need recommendations on Twitter. I'm bringing, I have downtime during this. So, of course, I'm bringing the PlayStation, the game screen. I need, I'm sure my hotel have shitty internet. Where can I go? Do you guys have gaming lounges I can go to and plug into? Does somebody have a house they want me to stay at? Someone got that that T one line that you can jack into. That's what I'm saying. Like at Full Sail University, <laughs> do they have dorms? There has to be some like common room I can just go play in and right uh, and chill out. I at. remember trying to get the highest speed for Napster back in the day. Oh, yeah, oh, it was clutch. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been kind of funny games daily each and every week down a variety of platforms. We run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show. Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Watch later. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. Roosterteeth.com podcast services. Watch live. Twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. Where we'll be hosting. The FM3 underscore raid tonight as we run for it. Fran will be talking to you about inventories. Andrea's right. Definitely keep Andrea in another tab. So that when, Andrea, when Fran inevitably is like, I don't know. You can go over there and see what she's up to. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. It's been our pleasure to serve you.